This message comes to you from New Life Derby. Well, today is actually International Women's Day. That's amazing, isn't it? And when we were um, planning this, there was no... We didn't think and say, you know, let us fix this to talk about women on the International Women's Day. Not at all. So in some ways you can say it's like a coincidence or like some would say it's a God incidence, yeah, for today. Um, So I would like to do something um, before going into sort of the word. You know, there's something good about a father's blessing, isn't it? You know, when my dad was alive, I used to always like you know, for him to pray for me and to bless me and to know that he was, you know, in support of what I was doing. Um, But there's also something about a mother's blessing as well. And on a day like this, this morning when I was just praying um, about the preach, God just dropped him on my heart to actually bless the women here. Now, I... If it's in terms of age, I'm not the oldest woman here. I mean, some of you could be my mother, some of you could be my grandmother, you know. So it's not about age. It's not even about number of children. It's not that I have more children. I only have two. I I said in the first service, my mom had 12. So I have a very long way to go if I'm trying to compete with her. (laughs) All right, 10 more to go. Hmm, No. Okay. Um, Yeah, but... I, in, in this season, in God's own grace and his own um, wisdom, he has allowed me to be in this position of being the mother in the house. And I think it will, I really felt it on my heart that I would like to bless the women in the church. So can I ask every woman to just stand where you are? If you're a woman, just stand. So you're from the female gender. Let's make a clip. Yeah. Okay. A woman in the house, we're going to, and I'm going to bless you, and I am... Um, I'm going to declare some words, and it's a combination. There is a song called The Blessing by Carrie Job, um, and I've drawn words from that, and Numbers 6, 24 to 26, and Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. So drawn some words from those um, scriptures, and I'm just going to speak it over us. And as I pray, you know, there's something I, I, I do a lot. When I agree with something, I say amen as we go along. I don't need to wait for the end of the prayer. Amen just means I agree, so let it be. Whether you say it, amen, amen, you know, whichever way. Um, And um, if you would like to, sometimes I put my hand in a posture of receiving, um, and I'm just going to pray this blessing on our women and and men as well, pray this. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. The Lord is with you in the morning and in the evening, in your coming and in your going. The Lord bless the works of your hands. May you lend to many and not borrow. The Lord make you the head and not the tail. May the Lord cause the enemies that rise up against you to be defeated. The Lord establish you in righteousness as a chosen woman before him. In Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate our women in the house. Let's celebrate our women. 
I love it. International Women's Day is not based on whether you are married or married, have a child, don't have a child. It's for all women. And I love the word of God. And um, I'll share 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 before I go into um, what I'd like to say this afternoon. And it says, all scripture is God-breathed. So all scripture is inspired by God. It comes from God. And it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the King James, it talked about this, this, this man of God being complete, perfect, established for every good thing. So all of the scripture is God-breathed. So whether we're reading it from an electronic device, whether we're reading it from a, a, an actual book, all of scripture is God's word to us. And it's important to put that as a foundation because sometimes when I read some parts of scripture, I don't really like what I see. I don't know about you, okay? But sometimes I don't really, why do I have to do it? Why is that there? But all of, God, all of the scripture is God-breathed. And today, as we go into what we're going to be talking about, some of it you may, you know, is it Marmite? They say you either love it or you hate it, something like that, yeah? Some of it you might go, mm, you know, but it's the word of God. So I use that as my basis, yeah? All right, so when we look at women today, or when we talk about women, a lot of times, the woman is pictured or put in the light of being a victim. When you look at websites talking about International Women's Day or anything to do with women, a lot of times the issues that surround women, so horrible stuff like domestic abuse, yeah? violence against women in different roles, in, in whether it's war or in times of peace. Modern day slavery, Lots of women are victims there. When you look at the gender imbalance in terms of pay, everything points at the woman as a victim. But today, the word I have on my heart is not so much about the woman being a victim. But I believe that God has placed a word on my heart, which is more about how God sees the woman. When God made the woman, he did not say, hello, here's a victim for our world. No. When he made the woman, he said, this is good. In fact, he said, this is very good. So God sees us as whole. God has a purpose and is a plan for every woman that he has placed here on earth. Do we believe that? Yeah. Amen. So I'm going to try to speak truth today because I believe truth drives out the lies, truth fights against the enemy, truth, you know, like delivers us from the oppressor. So I'm going to focus more on the word. So there's going to be a lot of scripture, and I will try my best to finish um, the message, the second service, because in the first service, I only did three of the building blocks. I've got some blocks I'll be using later. Um, so hopefully, I'll, I'll complete that. But a lot of it is rooted in the Word. So you will see scripture references on the slides. Feel free to copy those, make notes, and go and search it later to check what is in there. And also, Henry and I have been married now for 15 years. Um, and so I will also, probably some of what I'm going to say, will be drawn from experience from the experience that I've had as well. But a lot of it is actually based um, on the word and on scripture. 
So today the title of this time of sharing of this preach is She Builds. She Builds. Now, when I was getting married, and I guess it probably, like, I had three weddings, so I had the pleasure of three weddings, okay? So, it, which is not unusual in a Nigerian context, can I say? It's not, it's not like I had a, an unusual situation. So, the first one was what we call a registry wedding, where you go, as you do here, you go before the registrar, and you have, you say your vows, and you get married. That's, that was the first one. So, it wore like a suit, went for that one. All dressed up nicely, yeah? The second one was the traditional wedding. And in the traditional one, the families come together. They have to have some agreements about different things. You bring different gifts and all of that. And you dress in a traditional way and you're blessed and it's a wedding. That's number two, yeah? And then the third one was a church one, like we do here. Okay, we came into the service with a white gown and all of that stuff, and we did the wedding and reception. So three different weddings. And then after the third one, I was now completely married to Henry, and I was allowed to go and live with him. All right, okay. So three weddings. Now, interestingly, those weddings, you know, when I was, when I was thinking of this word, and this was coming to me, she builds, and I thought, whoa, when you think about how we are dressed for a wedding, it almost signifies like we're going on this relax, you know, you're about to start this holiday. You're wearing your nice white dress, looking all gorgeous. You're going to relax and sip some tea, if you like tea, I don't know, you know, or whatever it is. You're going to have some drinks and relax for the rest of your life. In reality, that's not the case, is it? Yeah. You're going on a mission. You're going to build. There's mess coming your way. Hey. So you think you should be wearing overalls and all that on your wedding day and they should be giving you a spade and stuff saying you're going to build. Look at what it says in Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. The wise woman builds her house. That's our job. That's not a victim's job, is it? A victim is not the one building. This is someone that God has smiled on and God is saying, a wise woman builds a house. So who is a wise woman? Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1 says, the, no, Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 14 verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So in this context, we want to define a wise woman as a woman that fears the Lord and lives under his authority. Yeah, so this is a woman that has decided to trust God. This is the woman we're talking about. How do we come to fear the Lord? John 1 verse 12, we read it earlier. It says, as many as received him, to so those who welcome him to their heart, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believed in his name. So today as we start off, before we even go into saying more things, are you a woman that fears God? Are you a man that fears God? Do you know Jesus for yourself? If you don't, it maybe you've been coming, or maybe today is the first time you're coming in here. If you don't, that's the most important part of anything I'm going to be saying, that you come to know Jesus, that you actually welcome him and say, Jesus, you are Lord in my life. I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I have lived my life without acknowledging you as Lord, and I want you to come and be Lord in my life. That is the greatest prayer that you can pray. And if you've not done that, today could be the day. 
that you do that. Should we just take a moment and pray? Let's do it now, because every time we say we do it at the end, let's do it now. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. We're going to pray, and what I'm going to ask is that we pray the prayer together, but that at the end of the service, if it's the first time you're praying that, or if you were rededicating your life, then please come and speak to us. We'd like to give you a pack. So if you just say this after me, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. I thank you for dying on the cross to take away my sin. I confess my sin to you today and ask for your forgiveness. I accept you as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It just takes a decision to begin the journey with Jesus. If that was the first time you were praying that, Please do not leave this building without talking to us. We'll have the prayer ministry team here. Please talk to them. Say, I prayed that prayer. Or maybe you're already a Christian, but you've kind of walked away over the years. Maybe you're saying, I'm coming back to God. We would love to welcome you to the family. Also, when I was preparing on this, you know, God drew my attention to this. I don't know if you've had a look at this. It says, say hello to new life. It's an invite where we talk about, I think I've actually got the young adults one, but it's where it talks about what we do in church. It has the times of our meetings as well. Can I encourage you, you would have these probably on the, on the chairs already, or the stewards can hand them out. Can you take one? So not, not more than one, just one today and make a commitment to invite somebody to church. It might be somebody on your street, it might be you post it through a door, it might be you meet somebody at the bus stop or at work, wherever, but this week, can we do something? We say, wise woman fears God. We say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We say all these great things, but God wants everyone to fear him, and we can do our part in inviting people. So please don't leave without one of these. This will be a reminder to you that, let me say to somebody, can you join us? All you can do is invite. They may come, they may not come, but you've done your bit. Amen? So should we just pray right now? Lord, I pray that as we invite people, God, that you will go ahead of us. Lord, I pray there will be positive responses to our act of faith. And the Lord will begin to see people come. Some of them may even want to talk to us on the spot and know more about you. Lord, give us boldness to be your light and carriers of your glory in our day, in our city, in our nation, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So please don't forget this, please. So a wise woman, what does she do? She builds her house. She builds. What does it mean to build? So to build... Um, if we go to the next one, is to make something by putting bricks or other materials together. So I've got some bricks here today. I'm not the best person for doing building and all that. Henry is probably more suited for this, but you shall bear with me in my building. I've got some blocks here. But she builds a house. She puts things together. It takes materials. It takes time. It takes effort. Another way you can define building, so to build, if we go to the next one, please, um, is to create and develop something over a long period of time. So it takes time. Building a godly home is not a one-day affair. So I, I've just said that the wise woman understands 
we go to the next one, please, the wise woman understands that marriage and building a godly home is a lifelong commitment, yeah? It doesn't happen overnight. So don't be weary. When I was preparing this, I was saying, when they're building a house, there's mess. Yeah, you've never gone to a building site and all was just perfect. There's mess. Don't be afraid of the mess. Yeah, as you build, out of that messiness, as we apply God's word, God can create something beautiful. Okay, so it's a, it, is, it takes effort, it takes time. She's committed to building her house. I like how the Bible is precise. Not somebody else's house, yeah? The, the, the expression, mind your own business, kind of comes to light at this point, okay? Because sometimes women, we can be a bit nosy, yeah? I, I, I'm saying this also for myself, all right? So a wise woman builds her house. Should we say that together? The wise woman builds her house. One more time. The wise woman builds her house. All right, so how does she build? No matter what I say today, the overarching thing is that she builds with wisdom. Yeah, we've already talked about wisdom being the fear of God. Proverbs 24 verse 3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Yeah? So the overarching thing is wisdom. But of course, you have to have some building blocks. You have to actually do some things. So wisdom is the principal thing the Bible says. With wisdom, get, you know, all of your getting, get wisdom. That's great. But what are some practical things as well we can use in building? The first building block I'm going to say is that she knows and applies the word of God. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. God is the master builder. His word is our point of authority. Remember we say the wise woman, we're linking it back to a woman that fears God. His word becomes our authority. Can I encourage us as women? This applies to every one of us. Whether or not we're married or not married or single or ever, it's not about marriage. As a person, the word of God is the guide for our lives. Amen? So the word of God becomes the building block. In Deuteronomy 11, for those of us that have children, it says this, fix these words of mine in your hearts and mind. Tie them as symbols on your hand. Bind them on your foreheads. And then it says, teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Not only should we hide the word of God in our hearts, so that's for all of us, but for those of us that have children, we need to pass it on to our children. So when Henry preached, he talked about the man and leadership and devotions and all of that. But that is not only for men. Women are to teach their children as well. Good times can be bad times when they're younger. Those are great opportunities. You could have family devotions. For us, we have family devotions in the morning together with the girls. The two girls, we sit as a family, we pray, and we read the word of God. Some people, your schedule may not work that way, and maybe it's in the nighttime you sit together. I can assure you that if you decide to begin to have a time with your family to look at the word of God, everything will conspire to make it difficult for you to do it. 
The moment you say we're going to do this, then everything goes pear-shaped. But you've got to press through it because it's the enemy trying to stop you from achieving that, yeah? So sometimes you may have to change the timing. Be flexible. You may have to change the timing, but insist, make a commitment in your heart. We are going to do this no matter what. The word of God is important. It is the backbone for what we do. 2 Timothy 1.5, I'm reminded of the faith that was in your mother, your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Have I got it the wrong way? Yeah, grandmother Lois, yeah, and mother Eunice. This man, Timothy, his parents, his mother, the women, must have passed it on from generation to generation. Women, let's rise up. She builds. She builds with the word of God. Amen? Secondly, she builds by watching and praying. So this, is not, this woman is not lazy at all, yeah? She is depending on God. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house. So she goes to God in prayer. Yeah, she goes to God in prayer. The posture of a wise woman is on her knees. Now, it may not be that you physically pray on your knees. Some people, you know, it might be difficult maybe for you to kneel. That's not a problem. But I'm looking at it as an act of adoration. It's saying, God... You are the one I trust in. Yeah? So prayer is the staying power of any wise woman who seeks to build a house. I was looking at the International Women um, Day, one of the websites, yeah? And they had this debate. This was their tagline. They said, the world wouldn't, won't listen unless women shout. The world won't listen unless women shout. I guess it's a thing of, come on, we have to show we are there. And I thought, hmm, this, you know, my body was like, mm, this doesn't. And then I thought, well, maybe the key thing is who are we shouting to? Yeah? Jeremiah 33 says what? Call upon me and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God invites us to raise our voices to him. As women, if we adopt the posture of prayer and calling on God, God will come in our situations. God will come. God will come. There is a really, there's an app called the Prayer Mate. And which Mary, oh yeah, that's Mary. <laughs> Mary talked about it, actually introduced it for me. But if you're struggling with praying or, you know, you find it difficult, it's a really simple app, Prayer Mate. And it works. It helps you to build to build, you know, start with a few minutes and to build. We can't afford not to pray in the generation that we live. It's like somebody just leaving their house open to everything. Prayer is a shield. Prayer brings protection for you, for your family. Sometimes we are quarreling and arguing about things, and maybe we just need to take it to the Lord in prayer. My mother told me a story. Um, so I, like I said earlier, my mom had 12 children. So I have quite a few, I'm number six by birth, so I have quite a few younger ones um, after me. And one of my younger sisters, um, to put things in context, in Nigeria when we have a baby, we don't give them a name in the hospital. We have a ceremony seven days after they're born, which is called a naming ceremony, and then you speak the names for the first time. Yeah? So this is the context then. This is the naming ceremony. So my, my mom had the names she had in mind for the child. And she and my dad discussed it. But there was one name which was meant to be the main name. You know, we have many. In Nigeria, we, have, we don't have one name. You have like three or four. You know, the, the in-laws give and the other part. Everyone gives a name. All right. So 
My mom had, she was uncomfortable with one of the names, you know, for reasons I can't go into now, but she was definitely sure that she did not want her daughter to bear that name. And that was to be the main name. So she argued with my dad about it, she said to us. I never saw them arguing. Um, I, my mom died when I was, um, how old was I? I was 17 when she died. But I never actually saw my parents arguing. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing because it may give you the idea as if um, it's wrong to, you can have an argument and you can show children that you can resolve arguments, obviously in a, in a, in a good way. Um, but she tells us that they argued about it and my dad wouldn't budge. He was going to give this name. So on the day of the, the actual naming ceremony, they're coming down the stairs and they'd written the names on the paper for the pastor. And they, as they just came down, about to get to the last one, she says, my dad just turned to her and said, huh, what was that name you wanted for, for, the, for, for this girl? And in the end, the child was named the name that she wanted. That name that she absolutely did not want for her child was never included as one of the names. So yes, God working in prayer. If she had continued just fighting, 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 maybe out of ego, you know, my dad might have said, mm, this is going to be what we're going to do. You know, but when you go in prayer, you go to the source. The Bible says the heart of the king is in his hand and he turns it the way he wills. Women, sometimes we are fighting about too many things. Why don't we just rest? Why don't we go to our father? Why don't you go in prayer and trust God? Sometimes the outcome may not be what you want. But believe that because you take it to God, God has a better plan than even what you can see. And his plan will be established. Amen? Amen. So let's be prayerful. Let's think about the state of our flocks. Think of your children. Be aware because the Bible says when, while men slept, the enemy went and sowed tears. We can't be sleeping as women. We have to be awake. All right. So some of this stuff I've talked about, the word and prayer. Everybody, all of us, men, women, everybody, married, unmarried, very relevant. The third one I'm going to talk about is relevant in the context of marriage. So it says, the third one is, she embraces intimacy in marriage as a gift from God. And all the men said, amen. amen. You are okay to say amen, please. This is the house of the Lord. All right, so... Before I read the scripture, and I will read lots of scripture on this one, um, notice she embraces intimacy in marriage. We say this, Henry said it when he was preaching, God has an order. <laughs> I said at the beginning, sometimes we may not like what we see in the Bible, but it's not about what we like, it's about what does God say. In God's order, boy meets girl, Tick. Boy and girl get married. Tick. Boy and girl get intimate. Tick. One, two, three. Not boy meets girl. Tick. Boy and girl get intimate. Two. And then maybe, maybe not marriage. That's not God's order. And it's not the popular way. But, I, you know, this is not news, but God is not British, is he? The fact that the British system allows for... God is not British, is he? He's not. 
He's not Asian, he's not African. This is God's kingdom. And the word is the basis for what we say. So we will continue to say what God says. Keep that intimacy for marriage. Keep it for marriage. You will never regret it. You will never regret it. Henry and I have been married now 15 years. I never look back and think, oh, that was such a wrong decision. No, God's way is a good way. God's way is a good way. All right, scriptures now. Ladies, let's get ready. All right, Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I've read this passage many times. But I was preparing for this and I read it and it went boom. I was like, whoa, what am I seeing in here? God blessed them and said to them, what did God say to the couple? The first thing he said to them was what? Be fruitful and multiply. So question for you. How are the man and woman going to become fruitful? By having extended walks in the park? By having coffee? You're allowed to say yes or no. That's not what God was saying, was it? God was promoting intimacy here, wasn't he? Yeah? That was, that's what God was doing. I, I said, if I was to say it in my own time, it was almost like God was saying, go, go and have sex, have loads of it, be free. Yeah? Genesis 2.25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Women, stop putting off the light. Leave it on. Leave it on. Why do you love the darkness? Hey, God has delivered us from the darkness into the light. All right. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 to 7. I'll read from verse 3. The husband... So it says, everyone should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body but yields it to his wife. So it's both ways. Yeah, this is for men and women. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession and he goes on to talk about a few other things. Can I say to us, for those who are married, block number three, embrace intimacy with your husband. Do not use sex as a tool, as a weapon of warfare. It is not a weapon of warfare in a marriage. If you have disagreements, talk about it and sort it out. That is not a weapon. You see what we see in 1 Corinthians? It says, do not withhold, do not do that. That's not what our Father in heaven is recommending for us to do. This is not to mean that people will be asking for all kinds of things. Be, talk to each other. But women, let's not do that. Don't use it as a weapon because it's not what God says in his word. In fact, not only should you embrace it, prepare yourself. Dress nicely. 
I'm one of you, yeah? So don't stone me with the eyes. All right, okay? So present yourself. I shall leave it at that. You know what to do. All right, the next... <laughs> we have children here as well, so I'm, I'm struggling to make it Yeah. All right, so the next one. She understands that she has dominion. I don't even know what I'm making here, but, you know, work. She understands she has dominion and works in authority. Genesis 1.28. Yeah? When Henry spoke, he said about the man being a leader. But then he also said, it doesn't mean that women can be leaders. I'm married to one. Yeah? That's what he said. When God spoke to the man and woman, he said to both of them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Both of them were given authority. Both of them were given authority. In Judges 4, 4 to 9, we read about a judge called Deborah. Yeah? Deborah or Deborah, however you call that name, she was married, but she was the judge, and she was not afraid to speak the word of God. In Judges chapter 4, she said to Barak, has God not said to you, go and take this number of men and go and fight against the enemy? Barak said, oh, I wouldn't go except you go with me, <laughs> okay? She obviously was somebody that was trustworthy. He, he felt that her coming with him would give him the confidence to go and do what he had been asked to do. She rose to her role. Proverbs 31 is an amazing scripture. And you can hate that woman, you know. When you read Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, you read it and you say, you this woman, can you, are you even real? Is this meant to be some prose for us to draw something from? Yeah, she's amazing. That is not a woman that's under. That is a woman that understands that she has dominion and authority and rises to it in a beautiful way. And in the end, even her husband is praised because of her. So women, let's rise up. Don't sit with your head down. No matter what life has thrown at you, God is a healer and a redeemer. And he still gives many, many, many more opportunities. The fifth one is she embraces her role as a helper to her husband. And this is a really important one, ladies. For those who are married, it's really important. We are helpers. Genesis 2, 20 to 24. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. We are to help. That word helper is um, the same word used for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit come al comes alongside to help us. Now, when I was, you can talk about being a helper in so many ways, but this is what God laid on my heart. This is the aspect I just wanted to look at. Can I encourage us as ladies, do not shame your husband in public. Don't pull him down. Yeah? Enhance his reputation and protect him. There is a story. We're going to contrast two women. and I'll, I'll, I'll probably have to stop soon. But the two women, 
The first one is Michael. So in 2 Samuel 6, 16 to 23, I won't be able to read it. If you go back and read it, yeah? That scripture, 2 Samuel 6. David had a wife called Michael. And David, when he was bringing the ark back to Israel, or to Jerusalem, he was dancing, he was exuberant, you know. And the Bible says he kind of was in his underclothes. So he danced so much that it's almost like he was in his underwear on the street. Michael was his wife. And she watched him while he danced. And the Bible says she despised him in her heart. And when he came back, what I find so sad is when you read it, it says he was coming to bless his family. But when he came in, what she said to him was very, this is what she said. Um, Let me read it. If I can find it. So verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Absolutely disrespected him. And you know, Michael ended up not having any children until she died. When I read it, my question was, why was she not out there supporting him? Why was she not with him dancing? Why was she not celebrating the fact that the ark had come? Rather, she despised him. And I'll say this, Ecclesiastes 3.1 is a scripture I think every woman should know by heart. Okay, Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything, there is a time. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. You may not be happy about something he has done, but I tell you, if you talk about it at the wrong time, you will miss out on dealing with a situation in a good way. So David was naked in her mind's eye. What if she allowed him to bless them, allowed him to sleep, and then the next day she said to him, You know, it was really great to see you so exuberant for God. What I think is that maybe next time we should consider, yeah? And then she can talk about what she wants to say. The presentation would have been completely different. Women, I said at the beginning, wisdom is the main thing. Sometimes raising issues in wisdom as a helper, not as somebody who is trying to pull him down, but someone who is trying to compliment him, not compete with him. If you contrast her with Abigail, Abigail is 1 Samuel 25, and Abigail was a totally different woman. Her husband Nabal did a foolish thing. Anyone reading that scripture would agree he had done the wrong thing. But Abigail didn't go to Nabal and try to say, you know, what kind of man are you? How could you do this to us? She went to make peace on his behalf. And in fact, when she came back, she didn't even talk to him that day. She waited till the next day when he was sober. And then she talked to him about what she had done. We have to be helpers. But can I just say, this is not saying you should enable bad behavior. There was a woman called Jezebel. She was a great helper, all right, yeah. But a helper in the wrong way, yeah. (laughs) Husband Ahab wanted a viand and she killed people. Killed. 
in order, you know, like set people up. In order to achieve, she was determined to get him what he wanted at all costs. That's not what I'm saying. To be a helper does not mean we enable bad behavior. I'll mention this other one and then I'll have to stop, okay? So I'll stop on this one and I will find a way to maybe record some stuff and put, make them available. She submits to her own husband. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, wives submit yourselves. It's a, it, you yield yourself. No one's forcing, no man should be saying to the wife, you're to submit yourself. It's not in an instruction to the man, submit her. That's not the instruction. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Notice it's to your own husbands. To submit is a choice. You make the choice. I always say you have enough opportunity to choose the man you would like to submit to before you get married. So now you've chosen him. It's time to submit. And we don't like that one. It's a choice. But actually, husbands are also to love their wives. So obviously, if a man is loving his wife, it makes submission easier. I asked Henry before I was to, when I was preparing this, I said to him, would you call me a submissive wife? Because I don't want to be coming and be saying something to people. <laughs> Be another, you know, you want to be talking one thing and you're doing a totally different thing at home. Um, and he didn't actually answer yes or no, actually. <laughs> Safe. <laughs> but, what he, but what he said, he asked me a question, rather. He asked me a question. He said to me, Did you want, did you want to be a pastor? Did you want to lead a church? I said, No. And that was his answer to me. Why? Because we have our own story, and we've talked about it a lot of times, how I, in my mind, I've done everything possible to ensure I would never be either a pastor's wife or be involved in leading a church. I was happy to be a worship leader and be a worship pastor. That's fine. I, I believe that was God. So it's not like I didn't want to serve in church. But I was determined that I would not go the way of my dad. I would not go the way. I wouldn't, see my, I wouldn't be like, see my mom. My mom would pray and cry. I was like, this is not my life. I want an easy life. I want to relax. Okay. So if anybody came to me and they had any ministry gift, I was like, no. The Lord did not say. I didn't even pray. I said, no. No, no, no. I'm not going to be. I made sure. And there comes Henry deceptively, all right, <laughs> playing the keyboard and not even ministering at all. And I thought, ha, ha, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> My ticket to a lovely life is here. And I said, yes. And what happened? How many years of marriage? Into marriage, probably, were we five, about five, six years or seven years into marriage? Stay hearing talks about ministry. And I said, no. This is not what I signed up for. I signed up to an easy life. I will serve the Lord, but I will not be a minister. I don't want to cry. I don't want to be crying at home. I don't want to be praying all the time. Why? Why? I can go to heaven without that. I don't want it. But God had to, I had to get to the point where I had to say yes. That was a big thing. It has changed the course of our lives. But I had to say yes. I had to align myself with where God was leading him as the head of the family. 
I'll mention the other two. I won't say anything because I know time has gone. I've got to respect that. And I say respect because the next one is she respects her husband. Yeah? Wives, let's respect. It's a choice. Michael disrespected. It didn't go well with her. Let's respect. The things, you know, you don't have to talk about all his weakness to everybody. Why? Why do I need to know about his weaknesses? He's your husband. Talk about his strengths. Talk about what God is doing in his life. Talk him up. Don't talk him down. And the last one is she forgives. Marriage is about forgiveness. 70 times, 70 times, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70. Okay? If you are unaware of that, that's what marriage is. You keep forgiving. You don't remember it, you put it to one side, you face another day and you smile. Why? Because Christ Jesus forgave you. And he doesn't remember your sin anymore. So you extend the same grace you've received to that man that you call your husband. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus. Why don't you talk to God for just a minute, yeah? Let's talk to God. God is so good. There might be something I've said that maybe touched you, or there might be something that triggered a reaction in you today. Why don't you talk to God about it? Or maybe for you, it may be that, you know, you need to make that decision with Christ, uh, you know, to come to Christ. Whatever it is, let me just give you a minute to pray, and then I'll invite us to stand, and we will end together. Yes, Lord, we will be still and know you are God. I thank you because your word is life. Your word is light. Your word illuminates, oh God. And I believe that because I've delivered what you've laid on my heart, that word has gone. And you said your word would not return to you void. It would accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. So I pray, stir our hearts. Whatever it is you've deposited in our hearts today, may we go out and live out that life. Leave ourselves, leave our lives in a way that brings glory to your name. I pray for every woman here, oh God, whether she's a single woman, whether she's a married woman, whether she's a mom, a grandmom, an auntie, whatever today, every woman here, I just speak a blessing. I pray that we rise to be builders of homes that bring glory to your name. Where there is pain, we speak healing. Where there is disappointment, we speak hope today. Thank you because there is a new day. The Bible says that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, I give you praise. We worship you. Be glorified today. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said aloud, Amen. For more information, please visit newlifederby.org.uk.